One item of business before we start is that if you've been a long-time listener of this podcast, you'll know my experience and maybe expertise with yoga, mindfulness, and meditation. The Sport Yogi app is the partner of the Raising Your Game podcast, where you can learn yoga, mindfulness, and meditation that you can bring into your training, your competition, to help you manage the stresses on and off the field, the physical, the mental, whether it's flexibility, mindfulness, focus, breathing exercises, balance, maybe a bit of strength, and just recovery and warm-ups, we've got you covered with this app. The app is the companion that sits alongside the podcast. So think of these conversations as the team talks or pep talks, and the app is the kit bag in which you can draw from. We've recently launched or relaunched the Sport Yogi Teams offering, and we're providing teams that are interested in bringing yoga, mindfulness, and meditation to their athletes and taking the logistical issues that come with it away. So if you're a player, a team, or a coach, and you want to get started, then head over to sportyogi.com forward slash teams. You can find out more information there and sign up to a bulk package today. So that's sportyogi.com forward slash teams. So that's all I've got for you. And let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Raising Your Game podcast, where I help connect well-being and performance, as well as speaking to those in the world of sport to share the experiences, practice, and wisdom that can help you in raising your game both on and off the field. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Lewis Hatch here and in this episode I'm speaking with professional rugby player and Olympic gold medalist Ruby Tui. Before we get going, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you've been a long time or short time listener to this show. You subscribing is the easiest and cheapest way to help support this show and what I'm doing here with these conversations that I'm having. So thank you so much for your support so far. Anyway, my word, what an episode we've got going on here. Uh, I'm super excited to bring Ruby to the podcast, not only for the conversation we had, but for her energy and personality that she brings. It's just infectious and I loved meeting and chatting with her. I think the thing that came across for me the most is the authenticity of Ruby and that came out in a viral interview that she did recently that I'm sure she's spoken about a lot. It didn't feature too much in this episode, but she spoke so openly and honestly and the topics that we spoke about around athlete identity, gratitude, self-belief and just so much more. I know you guys are going to love her and like I said, I loved having this conversation. So I'm not going to hesitate any longer and I bring to you Ruby Tui. Enjoy. Ruby, thank you so much for for jumping on. I'm uh, super excited to, to come on. I, I feel kind of bad with with you being in lockdown, but um, and we've just had a, ch- a chat chat about it all. But how have you been, and uh, what have you been actually doing during your lockdowns to to keep yourself going? Yes, uh, good day, Lewis. Hello to everybody listening or watching. It's it's really cool to be here. I think this is a really cool podcast. I go on quite a few, but this is like probably really down my alley. Like I'd listen to this one. So um, yeah, really cool to be here. And 
yeah lockdown again once again um have, I feel like I haven't been out of lockdown for like three or four months now so getting used to it and like a positive on a positive note I'm just reading so much more like I'm really getting into reading into, in, into books which you always say oh, I don't have time for it don't have time for it. well guess what Ruby I've got plenty of time <laughs> so um yeah it's kind of like a never-ending Sunday afternoon so you can you have moments of productivity but you also have moments of I don't know naps yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so yeah and and I guess I'm really thankful this time I'm in lockdown and I've got a gold medal you know so it just makes relaxing a whole lot easier <laughs> yeah, that just where, where you keep where you keeping it currently it's touching my left foot um so it's, <laughs> I always keep it quite close like it sleeps really close up there if I'm walking around it's up there so it's never far it's never far can't yet. Yeah. I've got like I've still, you know, got separation anxiety still, but hopefully that'll go away soon. <laughs> what What have you um What have you been reading? What What sort of books have you found yourself reading? I've just finished Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights. That was um oh, like awesome. yeah, super easy to read too. Like he's got actual notes from his notebook. Like mm. of a, he took a diary for the last fifteen years. No. 35 years, sorry, from when he was 15 to 50. So it's got actual excerpts from his notebook. He just tells all the crazy stories of his life, real easy to read. I just finished Stan Walker's book, who is a um, New Zealand pop artist, I guess. He won Australian Idol. He was one of the first Australian Idol winners and just had a crazy life. His upbringing was rough as. What have I got going now? I've got Jay Shetty's Think Like a Monk, still got to get through that. And I've got a book mental fitness like another kiwi guy like a kiwi psychologist um he was like rough upbringing went to jail and just about that was it and then he just turned it right around studied became a psychologist so just real cool people eh? yeah is it are you more drawn towards uh biographies autobiographies or kind of i mean jay shetty's or i imagine will be i haven't read it but i imagine it's going to be sort of one of those self-development books that you find little tools and hacks of how to navigate life or just being a yeah human in the world that we're living in right now yeah I love Jay's perspective because eh? he's kind of like a young dude real optimistic but he was a monk like there's not you know so he's got that kind of more mm. peaceful outlook on stuff um like the very first lockdown that went for months here actually I did a little um thing with him and ended up like doing a zoom like in a room with him and stuff and got to chat to him and stuff so I, I've always wanted to to read his book because I, you know, I don't know, got a little starstruck or I was quite taken a blown away by his, you know, just everything he was about when I Zoom met him or whatever. So um, that's been on my list for a while. But yeah, I'm very, um, I'm a stories person, eh? Like I, I'm, I'm not going to judge anyone or have anything about them until I sit down, look them in the eye, meet them, exchange stories and, and get a get a gauge of what they're like. So I wish I could read more self-help books because it's, obviously really helpful but i yeah i kind of i'm not as intrigued with a seven step guide to happiness as i am with a fellow who you know was taking drugs one week in a monk and ashram next week oh did i cut out there no you were good you were good yeah yeah so for me i definitely i love sitting down and listening to someone tell a story yeah i feel like that's i don't I'm I'm the same. Like I, one, whether you've read it or not, um, even though it's not a biography, is um, open by Andragasi. Oh like yes, it is one of the best stories and and well written books, and just literally 
I mean, the, the name is so perfect with it being called Open. And I've spoken about it on podcasts before. But that one for me just... It was it was like a book. I just couldn't put it down. It was one that yeah. I genuinely... And now people say that like a genuine page turner and like things like that. But I, I genuinely couldn't put that book down. I could not get it out of my hands. And I was drawn to like eating and reading this thing because I've never heard an athlete be like that. Um, and yeah, you were, you were mentioning about like not judging a book by its cover. And I, I kind of felt... I've, I've always spoken about when I turned professional in, in cricket, like... I had underwhelming experiences through people that I'd met in sport. And then I had these like extremely overawing experiences through people that I didn't really see from the outside. Uh, And I guess I would, uh, as a younger version of me, I I definitely prejudged them, just thought, okay, that this is the sort of person they are. Um, and, And it was completely different. Have you had sort of experiences like that? Yeah, I love that you brought up that book. That was like the first... It was like the first autobiography that I felt the same way. Like I was just like, holy wreck. Like, cause you, I judged it too. I judged that book. I thought, oh, tennis player, like probably just going to be, I don't know what I thought, but I, and then you read it and you're like, bro, he hated it. <laughs> he fucking hated tennis. Like how does the, one of the best tennis players like, cause I love rugby. So I was just, it was a real, real cool experience in like probably one of the books that actually got me hooked on all the rest of them, like on the autobiographies. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like I've, I've always tried to to not rely on rugby growing me up. I, th- I think mm. we get our hand held as a professional sports person all the time. And when we traveled other countries, like I remember and we went to Brazil a couple of times before Rio and we were going to these amazing hotels. And, you know, like I remember one hotel, we were standing there, there's this beautiful pool, infinity pool looking out to the ocean. And then we like looked up and just past the end of the nice houses, there was a favela and it was like all these you know those those shacks that are just forgotten about they've got water shortages and all this stuff and we're sitting by this pool and i was like what the heck like this this isn't the real brazil you know so i've I've always made a point of trying to not rely on rugby to grow me up and like obviously before covid i'd always travel to a country i've never been just with a backpack mm-hmm. no manager like doing everything myself and yeah trying to trying to just meet real people and and have real experiences because yeah you're right it's like you are you have this concept of this huge dream and what it's going to be like and then you're like oh you get there it's like oh <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's not that big dream you know so no i totally agree with you bro you, you you essentially what you make it though as well i think there's there's moments when um i look back and like now retired and i look back and think geez if i'd actually taken the experience that i had and especially when i was pro like traveled some amazing places south africa australia like um dubai what caribbean you're just going everywhere and then i'm like and i was so immersed in the sport and i think for me personally i wish i'd slowed down and just essentially open my eyes at some stage mm. and just been like the sport I, I wish the skill that i'd had was a skill that i can have now which is compartmentalizing my parts of my life and recognizing the breaks away from my sport and what the intensity and the performance side the breaks away are just as important for me Mm. to then still perform well and also gain broader life experiences i was really fortunate with cricket it's a very diverse sport we have huge diversity of people come traveling moving and you get to to travel that creates your open-mindedness um Mm. and 
yeah, I just I just wish from myself I, I had had that earlier to to teach the younger set my younger self like look you'll see these different parts of the world you'll get these new experiences it's okay uh, and your performance will still still be mm. okay with it yeah 100 it's, it's a tough it's a tough one to get i think i think sometimes you just get caught up so much in like i've got to perform i've got to perform it's got to be rugby 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 and yeah. there's actually this broad beautiful landscape around you so yeah i hope Where- caught up like oh sorry sorry no no you're right i was just gonna say i i how you were like oh now i'm retired i wish i knew this and and i always think what would that be for me like i'm always trying mm. to remember do it do it hard or you know never forget this moment or because i I'm, I'm a little bit scared of that like what will i look back and you know want to do different do you do you have like mantras that you you tell yourself and that you try to sort of live throughout life or in the game yeah 100 percent um yeah lots of different things for different situations i i definitely have learned to switch off i i had had a fear kind of similar that i wouldn't be good enough if i switched off but yeah the opposite happened because there's this like 99 percent of the time you're like oh well i am like okay can I do some analysis here? Oh, what's the time? Do I have time to do this? I've got to eat here. I've got to train here. And then there's, there's only like, you know, maybe a few weeks of the year where I can really not worry about that. And I used to not have any time because mm. you're just always worrying like, are they, is this person going to take my spot? Da, da, da. Like, it's just always in the back of your head and this, that crazy voice. And so like traveling to another country was really good for me because like one time I just went to India with a group and a tour guide and like, and I was like, no, we're not going to try. We're not here to train your body. Like your body is going to be fine. Um, and so that, that like putting that voice in the back and being like, bro, just relax. Like, I promise you'll be fine. You're not going to die. If you don't go for a run for two weeks, like just relax. You know, don't think about your rugby boots. Cause I'm always trying to take my rugby boots everywhere. I'm like, don't, don't pack your freaking rugby boots. Like just relax and be here in this moment. And like, that's been a huge advantage for me, I reckon. Um, but yeah, it took, took a long time to to learn that um but yeah just always trying to be present and grateful um whatever i'm doing so if i'm worrying about that over there ahead of me or thinking about something negative behind me it's always just trying to bring it back like i'm grateful to be here in this moment i'm never going to be here again you know what can i do to to make sure i don't forget that experience and i had a real um cool moment in tokyo where i wanted to just cry i just wanted to like kind of not be it was a real surreal experience i kind of didn't want to be there but then i i remembered like all the learning over the last kind of decade i've been in this environment and it was like ruby be here like breathe this in who cares what you look like what whatever happens just be here so so yeah mantras for everything to just remind you what's important you know yeah do you have any do you have anything you practice like uh, practice is it like journaling is it meditation things that you do to help uphold those mantras or being present yeah yeah i mean i was here like quite hard out meditating in the build-up to rio because i I was kind of struggling on tour a bit in that environment and so i'd go to the beach every morning because i lived we live closer closer to the beach and i'd just walk down do meditation calm feel the sand feel everything and it was buzzy because i did that enough that when i was on tour and i was freaking out or i was in a moment of pressure whatever i could like close my eyes and 
and be back at the beach, you know, like just be yeah. toes in the sand. I could feel, you know, hear the tussock, like everything, all my senses, I could, I could go back there and then I'd come back. I'd be like, oh, I'm, it's all good. Like I'm calm. Um, so yeah, heaps of calming stuff. Some, some people in sport, I don't know, cricket or whatever, but in, in our team anyway, some people need to get up more. Yeah. And some people need to just relax a bit, like, you know, over arousal is their problem. And some people under arousal is a problem. For me, it was hundred percent over arousal. Like I'd just get crazy. I'd want to tackle everything and not worry about anything. I want to do everything myself, like for everyone else. And so mm. my whole thing was always trying to calm down. So meditation really helped that. Um, definitely like repetitive self-talk, the same kind of mantras, like, you know, I'm calm, I'm ready. And so to complement my mantras, if I'm sitting there saying I'm calm, what does that look like? So I get to make that space, that meditation. That's what that looks like. What does that feel like? What does that smell like? And then I'm ready. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I can't bullshit myself. So I've got to be like, hey, are you ready? Did you do everything you could? Did you prepare mm -hmm. all right? So I have these mantras, but I've, I I action them the whole way through. And then so when I get to that moment and I'm I'm just about to freak out or go too far up, I'm just, it, I'm just like, you know, brings it back in, can self-talk myself. And then I'm like, oh, true. Like, it's fine. Like, everything's perfect, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, you're making it real. You're making it real. Like, you're mm. so right. You can't, um, You can't, one of the things I, I talk to athletes about and any clients I'm working with is if you're trying to say something like, I am confident, say you're trying to say that like, I'm confident, you can't, your brain just won't be able to think, okay, let's be confident. You have to visualize, you have to see like what you being confident looks like. You have to understand like that smell, taste, that genuine feel like what, what do I look like when I'm confident? And then you can get it. You, you, you're right. You can't bullshit your brain to yeah, thinking yeah. we're confident. We're good here. We're calm. Um, were you, when you were growing up, were you always that sort of like high energy was that the thing that you were you were sort of like buzzing around and 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 I guess lead into that sort of your path into rugby what your what your upbringing and story into it was like it's funny I think I had a lot of um like there were a lot of situations where I was kind of in fright or flight mode you know like there's kind of a lot of um like I lived with domestic violence I had I was introduced to drugs young I was drinking early and stuff so it's like I think I went from this kind of crazy world and that was my normal and then I kind of got to the safe place and I wanted to do exert too much um, or you know be over aroused to, to make sure I was giving back and doing the right thing whereas it's kind of like when you're safe and you're and not only safe as in not in danger but safe as in you've done the work as well it's okay to just to be level-headed and to be calm it's 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 funny because you're like, for me, it was almost like I thought, unless I was completely freaking out or really nervous or feeling all these intense feelings, I felt like I wasn't worthy or grateful enough to be there. You know, mm -hmm. some sort of weird twist like that. But then I was like, bro, like, I got to a stage in my career, I was like, you have done over and above everything. Like, you absolutely do deserve to be here and no one can do what you can do. Like, you're, you're perfectly fine playing this game in front of, 40,000 people like you know so yeah that was that's been a real cool um journey and experience and like looking into um where I'm from everything I'm about my values why they're my values stuff like that like identity I, I think people always ask me about mental health and I and and you start with the basic stuff you know like do you get enough sleep do you eat right da, da, da. but for me it's 
like so much about it as identity, like who you are yeah. and why you are the way you are. And sometimes people are just afraid to do that because it's a freaky thing. Like it's a scary thing to do. Um, but I just, I'm loving it. Like, you know, working with psychologists and counselors and, um, you know, books and people I trust. It's like, it's such an amazing journey. And it, I, even if you've got the most traumatic things in your life, when you realize that's what makes you great and that's what makes you you. It's just the most empowering experience. And then mm. meditating on a beach with your arms like this is kind of no big deal. Cause yeah. you know, like, so yeah, that's, that's been really cool actually thinking about my, my upbringing and everything. And then move forward a few years growing up. I played absolutely every sport you could play and it, but it wasn't until I got to university and I turned 18 that I learned women's rugby was like a real life thing. When I was talking, I was on a podcast the other day and they were like, did you play rugby growing up? And I, I did, I played it like when I was three, I didn't really play. I just liked to put on the, the outfit with my cousins. When I was like 10 years old, there was no, no other sport because my school was so small. So three of us girls went and played rugby. We didn't want to, we wanted to play netball, but there was no netball. And I remember the, the coaches were like, you know, to the boys, they'd say, you could be all black. And then to like me and another girl, they were like, you could be a black fern. And I remember feeling like, felt a little bit pissed off as a kid because I was like, cool, but what the frick are the black ferns? What do they look like? Where do they play? Like, what do they wear black? Like, I had no idea what that team was or what they looked like or anything. And I, I remember thinking like, why can't I just be an all black? Like, because I know what they look like and I know the names. I know who I, who I can pretend to be, but I don't, who, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, you could be that, but throwing us the, the carrot so far in front I had no idea what it actually looked like so I remember having that pissed off feeling but I parked that left that there and then <laughs> played in high school every now and then but netball was my absolute focus and then yeah turned 18 went down to the park next to my uni accommodation and there was this field full of women's rugby players I'd never seen it in my whole life and I just I couldn't believe it I was so blown away and I was like holy hecka I can play this like and yeah, then right. yeah first game in I, I never looked back hey I just wished I'd played it my whole life did you have um any role models or people you were aspiring to be like at that time like you spoke about the the all blacks were there any all blacks that you you really took a shining to or was it any other athletes <laughs> definitely clearly not a black fern <laughs> <laughs> yeah no nah. no black friends in sight no idea what they look like um I I love netball so there was a lady Wilhelmina Davu, she was a Fijian woman, but in the Silver Ferns, she was a really good goalkeeper. Um, and honestly, she was like the only brown chick in that whole setup, you know. So that I remember watching her being like, "Oh man, like who, how, who gave her, you know, like who gave her that confidence to just go in there and play better than all those, you know, the the English imports?" So I was like, I remember looking up to her hard out. Casey Williams, um, she's now Casey Corpoa. She was captain of the Silver Ferns. Um, but yeah, more like I probably more looked up to people like my auntie and my uncles, um, you know, family members. I don't know. You, you have this weird um, non-belief as a kid. Like there's, I'm never going to be a sports person like that's just mm. that's a little bit too far out there, you know, like so that's, that's what I'm always saying to kids. Like who cares? Who cares? Like you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. You, so you mentioned about you having a, a fairly tough upbringing and, and being introduced introduced to drugs as a kid i've i've recently been working with some some young kids that have come out of inner city areas in in um in london really really 
diverse group that have actually had so many different challenges and that ranges massively like was there a was there a thing that you either told yourself or was it someone that had said something to you that sort of maybe gave you this real belief because it does take that belief that self-belief to to change where you're going to go in the direction of your life i guess like i've always been a a a a kid or a person who's who will take somebody for their word like i feel like you can tell pretty early on you know someone's like bro i'll see you at i'll see you at the coffee shop at 3 p.m or whatever and then they pull out or they're late or like if that happens enough times it's like bro i can't you know like you yeah it's just you're one of those people and that's sweet as if that's worked for you but it just i don't have that trust and so i'd met a few people who did what they buddy said they're gonna do and i'd kind of seen what drinking drugs and you know being in a bad relationship i kind of saw the beginning and the end of where that can get you you know you yeah. can be the coolest guy you'll go to the parties um but then the parties kind of get a bit weird you know and you, you end up having the parties yourself and you're just you're not even happy like I'd, I'd kind of seen where where it could get you and I, was, I wasn't I wasn't like I don't want to do that I was just like okay like that's that's what you can do and then so I hadn't I hadn't seen anyone or tried to do sport or try and turn that around and do like go this way like what happens if you go this way because I've I've seen that and that's cool but I really don't want to do that and you know like so I've, I've got concrete evidence of where that life can take you okay cool I've got no concrete evidence of where discipline, training, um, trialing at every team, getting a good education and going sober. I've got no, I don't know what that looks like. Like, I don't know where that can get you. So I was like, let's just give it a crack. And I honestly, bro, I was like the worst in pretty much every team I trialed for. Like I couldn't pass the rugby ball the right way. I was still doing netball passes and stuff. I couldn't, I didn't understand a lot of the rules and the tactics. I was absolutely the worst, but I kept turning up and then I kept, people kept like picking me. So I was like, I wonder like how, like, you know, what does, what does it look like? What does it look like? And then so, yeah, I just followed my nose and it just, bro, it just kept getting better and better and better. And I now I, I knew who the Blackmans were. I knew what they looked like. I knew where they played. I got really good friends with them. Um, and, and I met lots of happy people, happy, um, more than happy, like content people, you know, yeah. peacefully joyous, content people. And I hadn't met any of those. <laughs> so, so I knew like, oh, let's give this a good crack. Yeah. So was there a moment, cause there's usually a defining moment in an athlete's career that says like, okay, this is fun. And now I want to take it serious as well. Or I want to actually aspire and, and I have a dream now and goals, was there a sort of a moment where it flicked for you? It was one moment. I call it the the moment I learned how to train. Mm. And um, I was in the sevens team because before sevens was professional and there's the World Series and everything. If you wanted to play sevens, you had to fundraise for it, like, you know, thousands of dollars, pay your way and try and get first place. So you win the money, you don't have to fundraise again. And if you don't win, you got to just start the whole process again. And it was cool. Like that's, that's the OG underground sevens world. And I loved it. I got my ticket in. Um, but the team I played for, I, honestly, I was the worst. I was the youngest. I was the worst. I was the least fit. My skills were just not all good. And we do is passing leaders, you know, in sevens training. So it was, it was hard yakka for us. But I was, um, one day at training, the coach was this crazy lady. I'm actually really good friends with her now. But her name's Mary Baker, and she was just psycho. Like she, the way she talks to people, you know, like she doesn't care who you are. She'll just tell you straight. 
So I was quite intimidated by this. I was about 19 years old and I was so bad at passing that I'd turn up about 20 minutes early and just pass this the way I couldn't pass against the pole. Like I just, I was just sitting there, pass, 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 pass. And everyone else was turning up, putting their boots on, but I'd already, I'd already got my boots on. I was already doing my passing and she put, the coach pulled up and I was waiting for the, you know, oh, good job, Ruby, like practicing your passing. So, and I was, so I was just, it was like, ding, pick it up, ding. And she walks out of the car, comes straight, like, looks like she's walking towards me. And I was just like, you know, and then she just walks straight past me. doesn't even look at me. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. All good. <laughs> so it was like, keep passing. And then um, they were chatting down by the line. And then she's like, because it's seven's training. 15's training is like all good. Goes for ages, but it's not so bad fitness-wise. Seven's training is like, he's always yuck as fitness. And she was like, everybody get on the line. And I was like, oh. Like I just, that sound day, I just hate it. Every sports person is like, man. And I was just like, oh, here we go. I, I didn't see the point in fitness because I was not fit. So what, why should I yeah. run? I can't even, I'm always at the back. Like, and she was standing there explaining the fitness, back, run there, back, here, whatever, up, down, whatever. And I was just like, it, I, in my head, I was just like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm terrible at it. Like, whatever, let's just get it done, go through the motions. And then she blows a whistle and goes, go. And then the fit ones take off. They're like way out. A couple more. Then there's like the middle group. And then there's a couple stragglers, you know. And then there's me, like way, way at the back. And I'm very quickly after like the first there and back, I'm just, I just I'm plodding. Like it just turns into a plod. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like I don't want to talk about it. I just, this is how, this is what happens when you're tired. Yeah. And then I remember Mary Baker like starts watching me and she's just, like staring at me and I can tell she's staring at me and I and I'm like just yell at me like I, just yell at me I don't whatever I'm over it don't even want to be here as soon as this is done we can get into the real training and then she started jogging with me and I, was, I remember being like oh this is weird this is a little scary and obviously she was probably walking that's how slow I was plotting and then um she she was she whispered in my ear and she was like do you see that um do you see loose and that the, the, the ladies that were in front of me, do you see them in front of you? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, can't breathe, can't really talk, but I'm plodding. And then she's like, she said it loud enough that I'll never forget it, but quite enough that no one else heard. And she said, if you catch that next group, I'll make you the greatest sevens player in the world. Wow. I was like, bro, what the hell? Like, why you say that? I was shocked because I was like, why would you say that to me? Because... I'm just the worst. And secondly, she's so straight up and she's so honest and she's probably got one of the best sevens minds I've ever met. So she wouldn't bullshit me. Like she wouldn't make that up. And thirdly, I was like, you're telling me that to be the greatest in the whole world, all I got to freaking do is catch Lucy. Like that's all I got to do. And then I was, so I was like, I was just like, okay. And then all of a sudden I stopped plotting and my legs just went faster and I couldn't, I was like, what is happening? Like I, in my head, I thought I was maxing out. And then I just got this uptake of speed. I was like, frick. And then I, so I was like, oh, okay. And then I was moving way more, you know, like assertively next turn past loose, like past the next, um, the next group that she said, she said to catch them. I caught them. And then I remember thinking, hold on. I, I don't even need to stop here. Like I can keep going caught up to the middle group. So now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm average now. Like I'm, I'm not below average anymore. And then I went past that middle group. So now I'm sitting kind of top half 
like T- uh, Tess and CJ were the fittest. They were like way, way, way ahead. And I didn't quite catch CJ and Tess, but I remember coming over the finish line after the fit ones, but before this, the middle group and being like, what what just happened? Like, what the frick was that? And her going, her telling me that all I needed to do to get to that way, way, way ahead thing was this little step here. It just changed into something. And then now all of a sudden I went from doing the fitness session and just going through the motions, not even taking any notice of the times to just, I was a whole new trainer. Like I just, I was pushing myself. I was sprinting. Even when I got tired, I'd rem- my form was different. It was weird, bro. I just had this massive mind body connection. And then all of a sudden I knew how to train. And the craziest part is that was 20, the summer of 2011 or 2012, 2019, just before COVID, I won world rugby sevens play of the year. Like this wow. was not lying. <laughs> it wow. was crazy. That is it. That isn't an, an insane story like that. And also none of that. I mean, yeah, it's a physical thing. Like it's a physical story, but it was instantly belief like from mm. not believing in yourself to then belief and it just became something different that so did did you have how how old were you when that was happening jeez oh, 2011 i was like 19 20 something like that yeah so was there did you have a lot of self doubt leading up to that in in your life and just maybe just in your rugby yeah do yeah like i just i lacked the belief that i could do it yeah um i mean i was going to give it my best i was going to give it my all and you know those things you can do for free having manners saying hello turning up early doing the extras that's all free like i can do all that um but i never thought i had the talent i never thought because i was just surrounded by such talented people i was like bro i'm no you know i'm no cali brazier or i'm no this or that um but yeah i just over the years a few if you have all those little things that you that are free that anyone can do and you surround yourself by the right people, mm. you can learn, you can literally learn anything. Like you can get good at anything. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was like the first moment where true pr- improvement and that mental, that psyche behind the athlete really, I, it was undeniable. Like it was undeniable mm. for me. And so, yeah, the belief kind of went from, I wonder what happens over here to, should I wonder how far I can go? Like how much I can do in this space and how far it's going to take me? Yeah, that like curiosity of of mm. everything that's going to happen. That's such a like beautiful place to be. Um, obviously, like it then progressed and you get to the Olympics. So you go to Rio, uh, you achieve a silver medal. What were the emotions? Because we'll get on to Tokyo, but what were the emotions sort of after Rio? And what was the feeling and the energy that you got past that the learners that you come out of it yeah so it might not seem much to everyone else but like being able to understand and hear you say we achieved the silver medal like we won a silver medal I couldn't even say that you know straight after it was like we lost like we freaking lost bro like it was just it was really really hard and it's it's not it's obviously not realistic and it's not relative but in that moment that's what I felt and so being able to say, bro, we won a silver medal for New Zealand, like to understand, acknowledge and, and accept how that made me feel, because that made me feel really good, mm-hmm. um, you know, amongst all the, the feelings of disappointment and letdown. So, I, you know, I, was, I honestly, I was going to stop sevens. Like I, was, I, I wasn't happy with 
the way the team was run. I wasn't happy with the environment and stuff. And it was just dragging on everything, my relationship, my family, like, cause it was, it was real hard to go to work. And so people, all my loved ones are like, why are you even going then? Like it's draining you. And so I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm going to, I've got it. I went to the Olympics, got a medal, sweet as. And then the assistant coach at the time, Ella Bunting was like, you know, kind of dropped the idea. What if, what if it was a whole new setup? Like what if it was a whole new team and new coach and new environment? Like, would you, would you carry on? And I was like, Oh, like there's, you know, that's, that kind of makes me think about it. And then, cause I knew we, we want a silver on that environment. So I knew if we, if we fix that environment up, bro, we, there was like no question. There was no question. So I was just like, okay, let's, let's go. Like, if if you if we set up a good team, good environment, let's go. Like, and then that ended up happening, and so we fixed. Well, we you know you never fix anything completely, but we made a really big effort on the people. New coach, Bunce went from assistant to head coach. Got a whole new coaching staff, new physio, new um, trainer, new just everything, brand new ideas, and it was really cool. Everyone was everyone was excited, da da da. But there was a few of us. I know me and P, like there was a few of us girls who had been there. We debuted together in 2012 and we were just like, we like, I'll never forget that. Like, I'll never forget mm. that. Like, I'm, I look at that silver medal all the time, every day. Like, that's, I'm going to change that color. Like, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and so, totally in those, in those hard moments, I was really thankful for winning that silver. Um, really thankful for having that extra inner, inner fire motivation to, to go and there was when we got given our silver medals at Rio by the you know someone important comes along mm-hmm. we were all crying and the chick the chick goes I know I know and not you know you're like you don't know like and she <laughs> she puts on the silver medal she was like I want a silver medal too and I, that didn't really help like I was like oh bro like <laughs> like I was just but you know just a bit emotional and angry and and then as she gave me the next thing and shook my hand she was like because the first she goes, I want a silver medal. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then she'd come and shook my hand and goes, I won two silver medals. And I was like, oh, that kind of hit different because that meant she did this all yeah. again. And so I remember thinking about her saying, I won two silver medals. So I just about did it twice. That that I, I'll never forget her saying that as well as I went through this next, next campaign. Um, and yeah, just had massive growth as a team, personally, on the field, off the field. I was really coming into my own as an athlete. Like I really felt like I was, you know, getting the the results and the numbers I wanted to get. Um, and then yeah, it was it was funny because when COVID it, it affected a couple of people, but I was like, bro, like I don't know, I just I didn't care. Like when the Olympics came, I'd be ready. Whether mm. it was postponed a year, whether it was postponed two, what I didn't care. Like I was like, nah, they've all got to deal with it. Like I'm going to deal with it better than they're going to deal with it. Like I just had this huge inner motivation from that Rio experience um, to get to Tokyo, man. Like there was, there wasn't much that could stop me. Was there a thing that you changed in the environment or something that you maybe really highlighted that you wanted to create in a new environment that helped lead you to success? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, sometimes like a lot of coaches without meaning to they'll like talk the talk like they'll say what you want to hear and they'll say I'll do this and I'll do that and then it comes down to a really crucial moment to the player not necessarily the coach but you know a moment where they could stand up and say something or 
not pick a person or frick, I don't know, make something of value in the team. It could be anything, but it's it's quite crucial to that player and they don't do it. And they do that enough times, it's it's really, really hard. So what Bunce did, he he made some pretty big, uh, pretty big promises, like pretty big talk. But I knew if he did it, it'd work. But like I was like, man, who what coach, what coach says that they their dream is to step away from the team at the Olympics and not talk in the huddle and actually does that? What what yeah. coach, you know, totally hands over the reins to their leadership in a in a moment of absolute pressure and cr- like a crucial moment? What coach hears the le- the captain or the leadership say the wrong tactic and doesn't step in and say something and waits for us to freaking realize and fix it ourselves? Like that is for a coach to coach so well that they become redundant. Like that takes some sort of special person. And so Bunce, got to give it to the bro, as many mistakes as we made, he walked his talk. He walked the walk. He did exactly what he said to me that straight after we won that silver. And so that, like, regardless of what medal we actually got in the end, because I've, I've discovered on this journey, it's not even the gold medal. It's the, it's the feeling you have just before mm. and just after that kind of sums up your performance. And man, like, even without that gold, he did Till, till his last day because he announced he's, he's stepping down from our coach he did exactly what he said he was going to do and for for a coach to do that like just good luck to coaches out there because that would have been really really hard yeah that that's the that is literally what a coach should be like coaches <laughs> sometimes get really caught up in trying to feel like they can control the outcomes and the environment and everything like that but their job should be to just coach the people like yeah. make the people better and then they'll be the leaders and if they're leading properly they're going to get it right themselves what an amazing um story so you're you're in the olympics for 2020 and obviously now you're at this this final and it you're obviously (laughs) coming up against hopefully not another second silver what were you telling yourself going going into that final uh there was a there was a buzzy years experience like i don't know i just had this crazy grounding like confidence about it I, f- I feel like we'd just gone through the shit of getting there like we'd had, cr- we had a really hard game against Great Britain we had a crazy awesome game against Fiji and so I was just like that we've literally been through the we've come back from a 21-0 loss like no one else here has done that a mm-hmm. uh, 21-0 deficit sorry no one no other team's done that if um, France had been like you know uh, people had been knocked out yeah, the favourites had all been knocked out like to me Fiji and France are one of the most underrated teams on circuit and they they were top they were the top three with us but people were like surprised you know that all the other favourites had been knocked out and we were the only favourite who hadn't been knocked out like I just I don't know I felt like it, we'd done everything we'd won all the games we had to and so I think we were all on this we were all on this "don't f with me" buzz. Like it was, a, it was a weird feeling in the game. Like, to be honest, my my body was pretty pretty sore. Eh? Like I took a few hits that tournament, and I could hardly move some of my limbs. But I, I felt like we had the depth. Like, even if I had to take a spell, I, I wasn't worried. I wasn't concerned. We had a really good game plan, and I don't know. I just felt like there was no way. Like I love France, but there was no way. Like there was no way they were coming near us. I don't know. It was a it was a it was a crazy confidence. Yeah, so when you, you've finished and you've you've got your medal and obviously you've achieved what you wanted to achieve, did you did you feel the 
the rush that you thought you'd feel or did you feel maybe less or did, was it exactly as you dreamt it was it more yeah that it was buzzy the game kind of flashes by and we made a couple of probably more passive decisions than we usually do which was a little it was a little bit weird but it was like bro if we're going to do it anytime an olympic final is the time to kind of do it like bring it out and so we had a scrum because i'm i'm quite um I'm quite task focused, like in a game, you know, say if you drop a ball, whatever, it's all good. Cause you can go, okay, scrum's my next job. So I'm mm. real like, this is my next job, next job. Like I just, I'm quite focused on, on trying to stay present in my, in my job. So time was actually up, but I was, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about that. I was, we had a scrum. So I was like, okay, scrum, next job. It's Shannon. Like I knew my opposite. She's like fiery as I can probably get her to come try and spin me, um, focus in, push forward try and get a nice scrum, get the ball out and we'll kick it out. This is this is how I was talking to myself. And exactly happened what I thought. I pushed my shunt, she comes up, scrums me out, which should be a penalty, but whatever. And then so I'm she's fully out. I'm I end up on the ground and the, the girls, the backs have done their job and kicked it out. And then the whistle goes. And it was just it was it's quite hard to explain because it went from my total immersion in this game. And then the whistle blows and it's it's honestly like I stepped into this whole other universe because all of a sudden we'd been on tour for a couple of months and I've been very methodical. I've done all my prep prep and now I've, like I, I can I can feel again, like I can let loose, I can not watch where the ball is, you know, like it was just this whole new thing. And I was on the ground and I remember being like, Ruby, stand up right now and breathe this moment and like do not mm. let this moment go like it was scary i didn't even want to get up like i was on the ground i didn't even want to get up when you watch it it's like i'm on the ground for a second but it felt like a good you know five or so minutes just going ruby get up get up and so i remember i got up and i was just like whatever you feel bro feel it like feel it feel all of it and i i stood up and it was just every emotion through this whole 10 years like from from heartbreak disappointment being let down by myself and others to absolute um euphoria in sports you know like we freaking did it i we did everything we said we were going to do and we got to hear those those two ends of the spectrum and then everything in between it like it all just hit me like it was just like this is what life's about and i wasn't crying like i wasn't going <laughs> but the tears just were just like full flood my heart i was I hugged the French girls and I would have soaked their shirts because it, <laughs> it was just all wet here. And I remember just being like, don't like, don't be afraid. Don't put your walls up. Just feel it. Like just feel this moment and remember this moment. And I'm so glad I did that. Like I had the, you know, the self-awareness to, to remember. Don't, don't forget to live there. Cause when you get past there, you can't go back and be like, I wish I did. That. I was just like, nah, I'm not having none of that. I'm, I'm breathing this in and I just felt everything and it was it was like you know one of those moments you just like you feel close to God bro like it was yeah euphoric like you know because I don't know if you had that when you're playing but you gotta you gotta kind of stay in the in the mode like not yeah. let it not go, you can't go like this you gotta stay here this perfect and, and it's a it's a skill you know and then so as soon as it was supposed bro stuff that stuff staying under arousal or over arousal i'm here and i'm feeling everything there is to feel and it was oh it was it was one of the greatest feelings ever oh it, that's so well put like that whole idea of just staying constant throughout it and then and, and literally like a whistle unlocking it all like that's the that is the goal like that is the perfect um that's the perfect 
sort of ending, I guess, to it. You obviously had um, you, your teammates, have all had interviews coming on after the the, the games. And I think I think this is just a it's a New Zealand thing. It's a Kiwi thing. It's you guys are incredibly humble and like the humility throughout the the New Zealand athlete landscape is is just there. Like I've had a I've spoken to many New Zealand athletes. Um, even I've trained against like the the like Kane Williamson. Kane Williamson, the New Zealand uh, cricket captain. He's probably one of the most humble men I know. Yeah, like he's an incredible yeah. guy. Um, but one of the things I'm really interested in is the idea of having the line between humility and competition. So where is it that you sort of draw that line and trying to stay as humble and then have this competitive fire and, and de- like desire to win? And, and I know, obviously, with New Zealand rugby, there's things like the hacker that get spoken yeah. a lot. Is, does that come into it? Is there does that have an effect and keep you this sense of grounding and connection to to like ancestry? Yeah, I think the hacker like and that whole part of it's probably a little bit separate to me because it's that's a non-negotiable whether you play rugby or not. Like that's part of our mm. culture. Like, and yeah. it's funny because I'm not Maori at all. I don't have a single drop of Maori blood in me, but I'm Samoan. Like I'm Polynesian. Yeah. And so I'm Samoan and then my mum's like fifth generation, you know, Irish, Scottish. So, and so like I've, I really vibe with both, with all my heritage, but being a Kiwi, like I can't help but love and appreciate the Maori culture, you know, like the indigenous Mm. aspect of it all. And I, it's like, no matter where you go around the world, the haka is such a such a vibe like it's such an important part of everything i don't know if you've seen it but um i shared this video of snoop dog watching our hacker i did yeah i think people thought i was like stoked because he watched our watched the rugby but i was it wasn't about the rugby at all it was about our culture like he fully watched it respected it and he got it like he, he yeah. got that it's not just we're not doing it for no show like i play sports for entertainment the hacker's not for entertainment it's like that's a mark of like mana, you know, like our spirit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's spirit and, and culture is part of you. And tangata or the people override any gold medal or, or event or anything like that. At, at the beginning, at the end of the day, we're all people, you know, like that's, that's the most important part of, of life. Um, so that the haka and the culture is, is, it's more of a sacred space for me and that's important regardless of whether I'm a gold medalist or I play club rugby. Like that's, that's, mm. it is what it is, you know, with the hacker. So yeah, I, I'm very thankful. And Alan Bunting, our head coach really involves, involves us a lot in that. Like we, we can, we speak today on the field, you know, like that's our, it's, it's like, imagine going anywhere in the whole world. Like we're in a desert in Dubai, for example, and we can be like, and we're home. You know, mm. like it's it's a really grounding, spiritual kind of homing process, I guess. So yeah, that's that's kind of a bit separate to me. Um, oh, Frick, what was the other question? Oh yeah, uh, Kiwis. <laughs> well, splitting splitting the idea of being humble and competitive. So how oh, do you yeah. keep that sense of humility and still like be really like fiery and and driven and and trying to essentially beat an opponent? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think some people probably have it a bit more than others. And like, 
I mean, I guess I can be humble, but I'm not, I would say I'm far more competitive when it comes to like training and stuff. Like we, we always give each other black eyes, make each other bleed. Like me and my captain have gotten heaps of, you know, we're just about getting fights on the field because we're trying to get that, just that one inch on top of each other. And I think like perhaps people get misled. Like when we're, when we're off the field, we create an environment where you can be you, you're, everybody's unique. We want you to celebrate yourself, laugh and dance. And at sevens tournaments, they're just a, it's just a day of fun. You take your music and you dance and get to know each other. So we're, we're that the whole way through. Like we, we could be at a club sevens comp or an Olympic games. And it's the same. Like we're just enjoying each other's company, mm. enjoying the music, having a good time. But, and, and oh, people look at that, us laughing and dancing. And they're like, bro, are they even like <laughs> focusing? Like, are they, what are they up to? Because all uh, lots of other teams are playing serious, like, but we're just like having a good time. Um, but we have a, we have very significant language around the white line. Like once you cross the white line, whatever field, like whatever country, training, playing, whatever. Once you cross the white line, like it's on. Like it's you mm. versus me. It doesn't matter what time of day. If it's raining, if you if you're on my team or not, it's you versus me, and I'm here to make sure it's me. Like it's a it's very fierce competition and yeah it, I think in some people it, it takes a little bit to get it out of them um, and then there's people like me you know I'm getting I'm con- at training constantly getting told really it's just training like but I don't care like oh I remember one time we were just playing a one-on-one drill and I she tried to take my outside sprinted dove got her out and she didn't score the try and you know people would probably um, leave that because it was just a warm-up drill training and I lost all the skin up the side of my leg and everyone was just like oh Ruby da, da, da. but I'm like bro I, this is white line like I don't care yeah. so, so um, we might look humble and stuff off the field and, and having a good time in that but I don't know on that field it's like this is a privilege to be here you know so yeah yeah it's clear well, it's, to me but probably not others. well that is it's just making sure you just cross the line like knowing mm-hmm. when you're off the field when you're on the field it's just yes. the probably the best analogy you can get for for sport um you mentioned at the start about athletes identity and like mental health being down to identity and I think that was spot on um because athletes and I felt it I felt it when I finished my game I felt this sense of lack of identity didn't know who I was didn't really know what mm. I stood for and yeah, I wrapped everything of my life around what I was doing and mm. then now my thing that I teach and tell other athletes and people and that corporates whatever is like who you are is constant and the what will change yeah. so if you can figure that out early you are bulletproof you are so far ahead of the the world like that's uh it's not even funny and people get uncomfortable when when people are comfortable in their own skin yeah, like, it's yeah. really strange but is there values that you hold to help build your identity things that you really try to strive for and, and maintain um 100 but i just real quick when i go i love that quarter or that talk you just had about that um but i was wondering because cricket players I'll, I'll come back to those but cricket players <laughs> seem real like they seem real chill from from outside looking in like do you have do you guys get real competitive and have that wild line thing? Or how do you use, like, what's your um, mentality around it? I mean, it does, because it, it's a sport that has so long sitting down. Like, obviously, rugby, you and especially sevens, like, you're running yeah. around all the time. It's constantly go, go, go. So the tough thing with, and, and I don't know whether it's um, we have 
now a better awareness of it or even maybe it might be back to in the past there was a real sort of like drinking and social culture around the sport so the game has changed now it's obviously more high performance so a lot of that stuff does sit back compared to where it used to be but you spend a lot of time either on your own whether that's physically out in a field or it could be like in a dressing room it could be like waiting to go out and bat and it could be even in a hotel room when you're when you're playing it's a bit different for amateurs because they're probably only playing once every weekend. But when you're a pro, and this is also a bit of a struggle why there's so many mental health issues in the game, is because you spend so much time dwelling on what's gone on. Mm-hmm. And and that for me has been a real part of the work that I'm doing is helping, especially cricketers, is helping them understand like the, the separation of like who they are in their performance. Because you can... There's so many things or, or really trying to understand the things that you can control. There's so many things in the sport that you can't control. You can't control like an umpire's decision. You can't control what the pitch does and how the ball moves. You can't control like whether someone does something else and the environment changes very slightly. There's, there's so many things that are, even if you're in the top form of your life, that suddenly you could have a run of really poor performances on paper you look like you're having a shocker but internally you feel great and then suddenly the self-doubt comes like what do i am i feeling great like should i feel right so i think there's a lot of time where cricketers are like very reflective um Mm. i think if you're thinking of like new zealand cricketers i think they have a really good grasp on and I, i guess you answered it with the idea of the new zealand culture they have a really good grasp on sort of who they are as people because it's driven into the culture. Over here in the UK, I think it's a bit different. I think everyone's trying to figure themselves out. I think everyone's... Mm. So I definitely can see... That if I was to be th- thinking, like, what would I assume the uh, the New Zealand cricket team would be like? It would be chilled, relaxed, calm. The England team, I think, would be confident. I think they would be fast-paced. Uh, they're young at the moment and and then sort of again different cultures breed different environments uh the australians like they're like hard like we want to win we we're against like a very defensive it's very similar to the society that in australia that's like this is our island we're going to protect it and we're the best for doing that um so yeah it's like any team where it changes but i think the the general factor that you get so much downtime in the sport and you get to dwell is both, I guess, sometimes good, but can be really negative if you don't have a grasp on who you are, if you don't have an understanding of what you're about and your values. And that then allows you to separate the sport and yourself once you've figured that out. Yeah, yeah, hard. Yeah, it's crazy, eh, the identity thing, especially in sports. Well, I guess because we, we can relate so much. But, yeah, we had heaps of, um, a couple of eras back, lots of the boys, like the All Blacks, I guess, just after that, you're getting paid a bit of money and they retired like heaps of depressions, like mm. just crazy. Didn't, you know, like nothing else, which you yeah, can totally empathize with um, values. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I think like people were like, Oh, values are important and, and get a bit afraid of them, but it's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's just like what you believe in. And it's, and you can have a look at your life. Like you could go through your, just reading Jay's book at the moment, real good. I don't even think about it, but you can even go through your bank statements and see what mm. your values are. You know, like what do you, yeah. he it was saying um, someone was worried about how much they're spending on their kids' tuition, like it's too much money. And then they went through their bank statements and they'd actually spent more that week on shoes 
So I was like, <laughs> actually, <laughs> you're not, it's not your top value right now. Um, and I think it really can bring people together as well. You know, like if your team, like what are your team values? What are you trying to do with that? Um, and then, yeah, like totally, who, who am I? I've, I, I do have a massive thing around gratitude. Like, um, mm. it's difficult because I feel like people are, oh, yeah, gratitude, I'm thankful for the sun. Like, but for me, I remix it and I, it's a personal thing, but I, and like, might not float everyone's boat, but it floats mine. And I, I say gratitude, like spell it great, gratitude. And then, so if I'm grateful for, say I'm grateful if it's a sunny day, I'm grateful it's a sunny day. The measure of whether I actually am grateful for the sun being out today is that I open the curtains, that I go outside and spend time in the sun, that I go for a walk, that I hang out my washing, that I, that I action something that actually says, Ruby, you are, you're grateful for the sun. Mm. So to me, gratitude, yeah, that's hundred percent feel it and stuff, but true gratitude to me equals great action. Like what great action that I do that I don't need a freaking post about it or I don't need to try and explain about it. It is I seen it. Like I, I went outside, I opened the curtains, I opened the window, I breathed it in. I was like, I smiled. I was like, well, cool. you know, like I, I did great action that day and that, that's what gratitude means to me. Yeah, yeah I really, I really like that. That is so good. Like, and um, I, that just gets me thinking about people who say like, um, my, I don't know, caring about other people is mm. like one. Of, I'm, I'm, is it may be a value of someone. So my thing would be like, well, how much time do you actually spend listening to them and actually? like really caring about what they're saying and yeah. it could be especially now like putting your phone aside and not checking yeah. your phone and being engaged in that conversation like I can even think about people that have said like Lewis I'm really interested in what you're doing and then you get into a conversation with them and you can like there's there's like no energy to what they're doing there's yeah, no, yeah. You, you can feed off it right so you can feed yeah. off it like this person is genuinely not interested in what i have to say right now and that may, <laughs> that, that may be okay like because they're not they don't care about what i've got to say but like you you've you've just told me you you care about what i'm doing and you think what it's, yeah. do, it's cool but your action <laughs> is showing something different I do perceive, eh? so, so it shows it's so true like the yeah. actions i mean actions speak louder than words like it sounds cliche but that's it's that's um for gratitude, I'd never heard anyone say it like that. And I think that's, I'm, I'm keeping that one. That, that one I'm taking. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> I, I actually, like I learned about it because, so I, I call us the, we were the transition generation. So the gen, the women's rugby generation before us, bro, no money, no clothes, mm. no nothing. Like, you know, 80 hour weeks on the farm and then goes off, wins a World Cup. No one gives them anything for that. They get a medal that they hung up in the woolshed. That's it. So, and I, I remember even speaking to Anna Richards and she was like, oh yeah, we got paid. Like it was unreal. And I was like, oh, how much? And she was like, bro, we got $5 a day. My first paycheck was $15. <laughs> and I was like, oh crap, like, god damn. Like, wow. it's this, this good work, sis. Like, so, so I come from, I played with a lot of those women, you know, like I looked up to a lot of those women when I first started. And then we got in and that's what hooked me to, to this job was the fact, um, I'll never forget on a pamphlet, it said, potential of contracts and that was just a game changer like I didn't even want it for me I wanted it for them like I was I wanted them to get paid because they were just so amazing and then so you know I've gone through transitioned and then we've done such a great job now we're like sevens is equal as in New Zealand like equal resources equal everything with the men's mm. and so we get to the this side of it and then 
Now we've got an 18-year-old come straight out of school, has a job, has free boots, gets all the clothes, has a trainer, has a psychologist, has, has everything. And so for me, if I, if I stand up in front of the team and I'm like, man, I'm just grateful to be here because of my journey, if, if the 18-year-old stands up and goes, oh, I'm grateful to be here, it's so different. Like, it's such mm. a different level of gratitude. And it's not like it's not like the generation before me was more right than I was or more grateful. And it's not like the generation mm. after me is more right or more grateful than I was. It's just a different, it's a different gratitude. And so the great action will look a lot different. Like, my, yeah. I'm so, I'm such an action person. Like, if I'm, like, grateful to be here, I'm doing every little thing, you know, that, that I can possibly do and it's it's just because of my experience so it's like it helps me it helps me judge but not judge as well because mm. this is my great action that's what that means for me that was her great action that's what there was her and you know that's what it means to her I guess that's I guess that's how you keep those young people um expressing that gratitude and getting it and I think I was going to get onto it as well about the idea of of legacy I don't know if you've read James Kerr's book Legacy I've, I know the book you're talking about, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, so um, it, it's a fascinating book, but but the idea of like being able to pass that legacy on and, and try to not, uh, for you guys, especially that in women's rugby sevens, like you, you're creating that legacy. You've got the brilliance of being able to write that legacy yourself. That action of showing them rather than just being like, you must be grateful, you must yeah. be grateful, huh. actually giving them something to do and show it physically is probably the and, and this would be for anyone not just in rugby but just for in any sport like you have to show people how to pass the baton or what that baton mm. passing looks like and words are great but action is way stronger yeah and how like i can't like now we come into the team and we get new shoes all the time like how how can I? How can you expect someone who's had them all the time, every year they've mm. been here? How can you expect to have that same? It's not the same. It's like when you when when you hear people go, "Oh, I'm so grateful to have a roof over my head," and so the people are like, "Yeah, I'm grateful to have a roof over my head." It's not until you freaking go to Cambodia or you go to Bali or something and you meet people who literally don't even have anything over their head. Like that's, you know, like you truly have that experience. So I don't think it's. I think everybody's on their own journey and. And will interpret the legacy and interpret interpret the gratitude in their in their own way, you know. And as and I'm like, I never, you can never go, oh, you can have the jersey, you can't. It doesn't work like that. It's mm. everyone's on their own journey. Everybody's got a story to live out. And I always, you see it all the time. Like if they if they're not meant to be there, they want they're not there for that long, you know. Yeah. So, so leading on with le- leading on with legacy, like what you've now won your silver and now your gold like what what do you what sort of legacy do you want to leave both as a player and as a person sorry i promise i don't have coded i don't think so (laughs) um (laughs) um yeah so my for me it's it's always been about it's always been about the off field like it always it always has been since the first moment the reason i fell in love with this team it's the culture and the environment that you can create when you come together for a common goal or common cause. And, and I like it because social media is just blown up. And now all a girl, when when a 10 year old girl gets told you can be a black fern, it's one click away. She can see what we do, what we look like. Like there's just so much exposure and everything. And so to me on the field and doing all the cool stuff and that that's what people see. So it's, it's just about, 
it's about the stuff like do do you have great action when there's no no cameras when there's no one around there's no one watching like what what do you look like then what kind of person are you there what values do you do action in in the quiet moments and so mine i learned a lot of it from my number sake lindsay tunu she was number one in the seven team before me and she led the culture and, and did it till she died and kind of did it even to her detriment and that's 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 totally the player i want to be like i've i get in trouble all the time for like you know saying stuff or or making sure everybody's happy but that's that's who I am and that's who I want to be. And I think I survived the last campaign because I never let go of that. Always played. I was always there because of what was in my heart. And if I retire and I can say that every day I did that, I'll be, I'll just be so, so happy. It's it's not so much about my legacy. It's just about who I am and making sure I know what that is. And it was funny. And after Rio, me and the captain, me and Goss were like, Bro, if we win gold, let's go get the rings tattooed. And we're like, yeah, mean. This was like 2014, 15. We were going real, real good. We're like, yeah, bro, let's win gold, get a tattoo. And then we started losing like 2015. And I was like, oh, man, like this, we are peaking at the wrong time. And anyway, we didn't win gold. <laughs> and so we're like, what can we do? Like, we couldn't get the rings. It just wouldn't have felt right. So we were like looking for stuff, looking for stuff. And then we ended up, we found this um, picture of, it's like a heartbeat. And it's the heartbeat turns into like a goalpost and then it goes back into the heartbeat. And uh-huh. that, that meant heaps to me because, yeah, you win gold and you do all this stuff, but I've always played with my heart. Like always played with my heart. Even though I've had all psyche and I've got all this physiological stuff I learned, but it's always been from my heart. And so it was it was like it just meant heaps. And then me and Goss going to get it. And then about eight of the girls jumped in the van and we all went and got this this matching tat, you know, so we've all got this tattoo to just remember, like, it doesn't matter if you drop a ball, it doesn't matter if you score zero tries, doesn't matter what the coach says about you, whether you're good enough to be here or not. If you're playing, like, from your heart and you're you're trying to be a good person off the field, there's, what can anyone say? Like, you're you're literally untouchable. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if you end up being really good and having a great game and getting picked for the teams and winning goals, then that's even better. Um, so I just not so much for myself, but for our team, like don't ever forget about the culture and the truth when no one's watching. Cause that's yeah. what, that's what, that is what the, is the foundation of a win. I've, I've won and I've lost with a bad culture and I've, it's numb. You're numb, bro. Like you don't even care. Mm. You're like, yeah, whatever. I won another medal or you lose and you're like, yeah, whatever. But if you win and you, you've played and lived from your heart, it's, it's different. Yeah, what what's some of your proudest moments? Proudest moments, um, I we have um, we have a thing called a sister chat. Like, no no management, no one else, just us, no phones allowed. And I I'm always calling them. I was always calling them, you know, about good things, about bad things, about nothing, just anything. And um, recently, the last few years, without. Because my dream was always that they just happen. Like, I don't have to call them, but I didn't tell anyone that. In the last few years, like, all these young girls are always calling them and running them and 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 making sure that our team's all good in it. Bro. Like, I get emotional because it's like, that's, that's like a, such a proud moment. Not just for me or anything, but that's that's my team surviving and oh, – not surviving, sorry. That's my team thriving off the field in the quiet moments when no one's watching. So my proudest moment is probably seeing – quite little 
girls turn into these incredible, strong rugby players, professional rugby players. And, and I think it's rare. Like there's a lot of rugby players, a lot of famous sports people, but not a lot of them are, you know, still still fighting the good fight. They've maybe lost their ways, ruined a few relationships along the way. But these girls are they're going good, you know. So I'm I'm just I'm really proud of that that bunch, the next bunch. Yeah. What and if you've had any, whether it's one or a few negative experiences that you were able to reframe into positive ones. Oh, you know, the old bloody, the old, when um, an athlete gets an injury, I, I had my first surgery at like maybe 20 or 21 or something. And I, it was ACL, you know, bone, the whole thing blew wow. out. And that was, that was really hard because the whole, I hadn't learned my identity yet. Um, but I still had this competitive bit, right? So I, I enrolled for a, like a exercise science, what was it? Certificate in sports, something like that, you know, people can do. And I just, I treated the classroom like my white line. Like I'm, I wasn't, like I'm intelligent, but I was never, I'm not a straight A student or nothing. But bro, I went hard on that course because I couldn't even, I had to crutch everywhere or wheelchair everywhere. So I was, I would just come early and stay later in the class, kind of like training. And then so I just do extras and then I ended up graduating like top of the first class honours kind of thing. And just, I was like, oh man, like, this is cool. I can, it's not, it's not the rugby that makes me great. It's me. Like it's, it's what I yeah. choose to do, you know? So that was, I'll never forget that. That was huge learning for me. Cause some of some people don't come back. Hey, like they, the injuries it, like that's it. Yeah. Wow. Look, Ruby, I just realized how long we've been going. I've taken up plenty oh, of your time. <laughs> uh, this has been such a good conversation. I've absolutely loved it. Um, there's so many things here that people, can can take but not only that i've learned so much like the, oh, no, the 100 taking the gratitude um the gratitude thing like that's uh and and I, I mean like i said there's so many athletes out there th- at the start where you you kind of get a facade in front of you and and there's something that people are protecting and i think yes the interview that went that you've had a lot of exposure with recently and that went viral, but like that media, it's such a good idea for people to understand that when athletes are standing there in front of a, a microphone, like they, they guard themselves. Mm. And I think what you've shown in that interview and what you've shown here as well is you don't need to be guarded. You don't, if you're comfortable with who you are, there's no need to be guarded. There's no need to hide anything no need to worry about saying the wrong thing. Like people are going to love you for genuinely who you are if you're trying to be a good person. And I think that's the one thing that I've got out with seeing at this just through this last hour and twenty, or uh, and, and in that interview, yeah, yeah. But that it, it's just so important. I think if that's the message that people can get out of this conversation, then that is it. Just be so strong to who you are. Be find find out who you are be confident in who you are and then what happens after that is is great but who you are is the most important part yeah oh man i've loved sharing the space with you lewis thanks so much for i always feel like i'm just chewing people's ears off on these bloody things but it's um (laughs) it's been really cool so um and i feel like you know i got to know you a little bit as well so no thank you so much and um thank you for having a really value valuable podcast it's really cool bro thank you no thank you um Yeah, really, really appreciate it. 
Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Raising Your Game podcast and with Ruby Tui. Wasn't she just awesome? And if you've enjoyed this conversation and perhaps know someone that may find it valuable, then share it with them. This show continues to grow through word of mouth from you guys. So if you haven't done already, also subscribe and reach out on social media at Lewis Hatchet on Instagram where you can get in touch about how this episode has impacted you maybe some ideas that have come up from it maybe some guests that you've enjoyed in the past or maybe guests that you would like to hear from in the future i love hearing from you guys so yeah head over to instagram at lewis hatchet where you can reach out anyway thank you once again for listening and i will see you guys next time